Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hi there, welcome once again to the Match Day edition of the Gagan Pod on what could be a seminal moment, a seminal day in the fight against racism. We saw two teams walk off the pitch in Paris. We'll talk about the incident, what it means, not only for the group stage of the competition, but more broadly in this fight against racism and inequality. We'll chat about the results, obviously, as well. Two teams are through to the knockout stages. Manchester United will be playing in the Europa League. We'll be joined by two Socceroos greats, John Aloisi and Mark Schwarzer, who's at Stamford Bridge, Western Sydney Wanderers coach Carl Robinson, and our sports editor, Dave Weiner. That and plenty more coming up. Yes, welcome once again to the Match Day edition of the Gagan Pod. Great to be with you. I'm Richard Bayless. Joining me today, Carl Robinson. G'day, Robbo. Good day. Oh, there's a bit of oh, a bit sad in that voice. We'll get to that in a moment. Why Robbo's a bit down today, uh, John Aloisi. Nice to see you in the flesh. We've been speaking remotely for it feels like uh, years. It's nice to see you in person. Yeah, it's good to be back, and it's good to be on the podcast live. Yes. You know, on the phones, not the same. Uh, you know, you don't get the same feel. I can't see Dave. Uh, would talk about Chelsea and get excited about his uh, Chelsea team. Not as exciting this morning, though, Dave. No, no, not at all. Uh, there was a lot to get excited about this morning and Chelsea for neutrals was way down the list. Yeah, it was. I think for neutrals, today was the day that there, it wasn't really about football, was it? It was about what happened to see two sides walk off the pitch and it happened in Paris at the Parc de Prance. 20 or so minutes in, the fourth official said a racist comment towards the assistant manager for Istanbul, Bershaksha, here in the Group H match against PSG. Saw both teams remonstrating with the officials. Eventually, they walked off and they haven't gone back on. They'll play tomorrow, Thursday morning, Australian time. Fascinating scenes after a couple of weeks where, a couple of years, a couple of decades, Robbo, where this is a discussion point where racism is very much in the game, but I I guess in a positive silver lining sort of way, to see the players take the action against the incident was strong. Very strong. And now is the time. As you mentioned there, weeks and months and years have gone by and this has not gone away. Now is the time we have to not not give it the opportunity to go away. We have to make sure it goes away because if not, if we don't do it now, and I say we, any person involved in football, any person involved in sport in general and in life and society, it will still be there. And you're probably likely not to stamp it totally out, but the ones that you can control and at football stadiums and at sporting events, you can control by highlighting people, identifying people and picking them out so they're not able to do it. We have to do that. So I'm glad the two teams stuck together. It wasn't a great advert for football walking off and you know abandoning the game, but it was a great advert for the strength of where we are as human beings. And John, you played with Pierre Weber, who was the assistant coach for Bashaksha here. It was him that had the comment directed towards him. You made some really interesting comments in the post-game show today that he's actually quite a calm, relaxed guy. So for him to fire up at the fourth official, he was obviously hurt deep. Yeah, I can't remember. I played with him for a, a, at least a couple of seasons and I can't remember him ever firing up. He's that calm of a person. He's such a nice guy. 
on and off the pitch. Uh, he was a great striker in his day. And to see him fire up like that, you know something was said and we heard the comments. And like Robbo said, there's no room for it. We have to kick out racism, not only in football, in society. And the players are powerful enough now to actually make a stand. And we see it every week in the Premier League uh, when the, the knee, Black Lives Matter. We saw it again this morning with Millwall, uh, one of their players, and, and also the QPR players uh, before the game. So we're trying to stamp it out. We're trying our best, but the education needs to be there as well because the fourth official didn't think he did anything wrong. That's a lack of education. Yeah, he pretty much admitted to the comments he made. So Marlon Romeo, who plays for Millwall at the weekend, was obviously severely hurt and offended by the fact that Millwall fans booed the, you know, getting down on one knee. All it is at kickoff, Dave, is taking a knee to respect everybody and bring everybody together. Millwall fans booed it. That's not a huge shock. Romeo came out. He was obviously offended as a black player. And tonight, at full time, he held up the jersey to Millwall fans that said, kick it out on the front. This is after QPR, their players scored, ran over to the Millwall fans and took a knee in front of them. Powerful scenes right across Europe today. Do you know what? They say that um, sport should be removed from politics and from life. It gives you that escape. But sport also has the ability to influence and lead society just because of the inspiration it provides and we know the sway that heroes have over younger generations and that's why taking a knee whilst it's really powerful and symbolic you almost once it's done every single game you might think okay is this becoming just something that's a bit of you know background noise whereas seeing that response in the championship today seeing the leadership of Demba Bar and then the support he got from Neymar and Kylian Mbappe and all the PSG players, but they're the two superstars. And apparently the reports are saying that Mbappe was as uh, outraged as anyone and was uh, supporting the fact that if the fourth official couldn't be replaced, both teams should not continue. So that leadership there in the face of uh, adversity is where it is so powerful for football to say, as, ba- as bad as an incident as it is, Carl, and as bad as a look at it as it is, the power of the response almost makes it transcend anything that happened in the Champions League today. And one thing that just shows you how much it hurt the players, uh, the, the other report suggested that Marquinhos and, and Demba Ba had spoken about walking out together as 22 holding hands. Um, but the Istanbul Basaksehir players were so uh, still emotional and still angry that they didn't, uh, they, they couldn't bring themselves to doing that. But that's the symbolism that you can achieve. Well, you know what's really interesting? Last season... Musa Morega, who plays for Porto, was racially abused and he wanted to storm off. His own players wouldn't let him storm off. Opposition players were taunting him. Everybody in the stadium taunting him by the fact that he was the one who was hurt. Today, what I really like, Robbo, is the fact that the players were empowered to do what they wanted to do because people outside of football, whether they're in the stands, whether they're officials, whether they're sponsors, chairman at the board level, they're the ones that put the pressure on players. No, you can't walk off. You've got a contract. You have to play. It doesn't matter how you feel. You have to play. You're there to perform. I love the fact that players just could cut through that. Well, that's why I think it was important day-to-day for football in, in the support for racism that they walked off together mm. and they showed the strength that we as football people have. And it's not individuals, it is the collective. You know, I think the bigger picture for me is is important. What Everyone understands what this issue is, and there is an issue of racism. If people think there isn't, you know, they're, they're mistaken. There is a clear issue of racism in, in society at the moment. We need to kick that out. Let's not just tick another box and make this go away for another month or so and then bring in a different slogan. That's not what it's about. It's about dealing with the problems, and we have to deal with this problem now because it is rife. Well, this game will be played Thursday morning, as I said, but either way, 
PSG are in a great position to go through with the remaining 74, 75 minutes. Manchester United are out regardless of what happens. Leipzig are through. Sorry, Carl. That's uh, Robbo you can hear in the background as a United fan. Not particularly enthusiastic today, but John, the way Leipzig started, of course, you know, they've been pretty good domestically, sitting third in Bundesliga. It's just that one result, the 5-0 against Manchester United, maybe people underestimated them, but they were very good today. Yeah, I don't think football lovers underestimated Leipzig because they're such a good side. They showed last season how well they played uh, in the Champions League going all the way to the semi-final. On the weekend, 3-3 with Bayern Munich. They took the game to Bayern Munich. And this morning, the way they started the game, you know, they they really showed that... um, Man United weren't really at the races to start with and they created two clear-cut chances and took them. And then after that, they were unlucky not to go 3-4-0 up. And then slowly Man United got into the game, but it was a little bit too late. I think you've been kind there, John, saying that they were slow. I thought they were absolutely awful. I thought they were passive. They didn't lay a hand on Leipzig. Leipzig play at a high tempo with the ball. We know that. They like to have short interchanges of passing and get their full-backs attacking. They were nowhere near them. They got caught in no man's land. The wing-backs didn't need to know whether they needed to step or drop. The centre-backs were staying in their little comfort zones, which were allowing them to play. So when they did step out, their timings were wrong. And they got the first 45 minutes was as bad a half of football as I've seen Man United. And that hurts me to say it as a Man United fan. But yes, they were better in the second half, but they couldn't be any worse. So well, two, any worse than the West Ham first half? Well, the inconsistency. <laughs> I just want to ask two coaches but here, like... That inconsistency, does that come from the chopping and changing of selection? Is it a man management issue now? When you're sitting back watching this as two coaches, do you go, are you pulling your hair out? Look, it's hard to say because we're not in the changing room. We don't know what the players are seeing or what they're... We can only judge from a distance. And what I see is that I've got no confidence in Solskjaer. After seeing the way he he talks, his body language on the sideline, um, his interviews, he doesn't ooze confidence he doesn't show you know it's different to a Mourinho or a Guardiola when when they they make a statement you know they mean it even if they don't really mean it and and we've heard Guardiola in the past you know sort of say to plays you know I've got all the answers even though he might not but he, he shows that he's got the answers Solskjaer looks confused half the time and then chopping and changing systems from a 4-4-2 diamond to a 4-3-3 to a 5 at the back it, it doesn't help the players. It, it confuses them, and they look confused to start with. I think there's a, there's a key element of when you're changing systems, the reason why you're doing it. I think Ole Gunnar at the moment is doing it based upon the opposition, whereas a Pep Guardiola would be doing it on because he sees a massive advantage of where he can take advantage of the opposition's weaknesses. So there is a difference in that. I think they, some of the players have lost their way. You know, we talk here, Ollie talk about Paul Pogba all the time, who's the enigma. You know, he's their best player when he's on, but when is he on? He's arguably their highest profile player. We know his agent likes to speak in the media. We don't know what go what goes on behind the scenes. But what we do know is if Ole Gunnar does not want to play him, having him around would is a, is a ball ache for him. <laughs> you know, he can be a pain in the backside, so he's got to make that decision. If you're going to be at the football club, Paul's going to be at the club, you play him. He's your best player. So that's a decision that him and the board need to make um, on their terms, on not on Paul's and Rayola's terms. And they've got to make that decision. They've got to stick to it and they can't waver from that. And that's my worry at the moment is that's why 
John says here he's a little bit inconsistent with his decisions and he's a little bit confused because he's, that's one scenario. Man United have got 25 top players, so you've got to deal with 25 different scenarios. Tired of ads barging into your favourite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Does he just hold on to his job by default, Dave? Because in the league, with the game in hand, if they win that, they're only a couple of points off top. They're really good away from home in the league. They're in a good position there. But realistically, they only needed one point from their last two games in the Champions League after a great start, and they absolutely capitulated. Do we take it as read that Solskjaer will just be given time despite the fact they're in the Europa League now? I think so. I think so. And, and you've got the proposition of the Manchester derby this weekend where in an ordinary course of business, you take, you get knocked out of the Champions League, you lose the Manchester derby. In a club that size around Europe, you're probably close to gone. But it seems like here he's just got this mandate. And it's two years now of Solskjaer, yet... The inconsistency of this Champions League campaign and the last three weeks, it actually completely sums up his tenure. The, the pressure's always there, and, and it's not only because he's a Man United coach, because we, we talk about the inconsistency. The, the, I think the, the club are backing him, and they believe in him. They, they see something, um, but the media in, in the UK are always out to get him because you know the, these results aren't good enough for a Man United. No, they're not. The standard has been set by Sir Alex Lee many, many years ago, and obviously they've not quite got it right in the last few managers. My worry as a Man United fan, and I don't like chopping and changing, I don't like it for the sake of it, is you've got some world-class coaches out there at the moment that are free, that want to manage in the Premier League. If you don't make a decision when it's on your terms you may miss out on them. You know, everyone talks about Pochettino, who's available, you know, Allegri, who's, on, who's made it aware that he wants to come to the Premier League. Do you miss out on these guys? And I'm not sure Man United, the club of their size and their stature, are able to miss out on them. They have to make a decision, and for me, it's sooner rather than later. Well, speaking of coaches, Robbo, I know you need to go and put the boys through their paces at Western Sydney today. It looks pretty hot outside. You're going to run them hard? Yeah, very hard. <laughs> Excellent. Good to have you on, Robbo. Always a pleasure. Uh, great to get your thoughts as well on the post-game show today. Great insight from, you know, one of our coaches, but also a Manchester United fan that's seen it all over the past few months. The inconsistency of United will probably continue, let's be honest. And who would be shocked if we're talking about a Manchester United victory in the derby this weekend? Moving on, John, another fascinating result this morning. Barcelona nil, Juve 3. It means that Juve go top in the group. Barcelona were already through. We got the game, Messi against Ronaldo, great, but it was pretty one-sided, and the result is astounding considering Barca's home record. Yeah, I don't know when the last time they've ever lost 3-0. Dave? Not 3-0. Well, they haven't conceded two goals at home uh, since 2013. Well, that's massive then. The it, it, look, it, it, it's... It doesn't surprise me because of the way Barcelona's been playing this season. I know they've been good in the Champions League and they've, they've got through the group stage really easily. They're in box seat to come top of their group. They ended up finishing second because of the result this morning. But their form this season's been very up and down. In the league, it's been awful. Messi's not happy. We know that. We saw that in the offseason, in the preseason. Kuman, there's a lot of questions over whether he's the man to take this uh, club forward. 
There's also election time coming up. Laporte uh, wants back mm. in the club. Um, it's interesting times for Barcelona, but not only Barcelona. I, I think La Liga in general. Is this maybe, this is a really sad note, I suppose, to end on from a Barcelona perspective. You know, Ronaldo pop up with a double, both from the penalty spot. Is this the last time we see Messi against Ronaldo, Dave? And certainly for these two clubs. It's, it's only the last in the, in the quirk of the Champions League draw because I think they've still got a few more years in them. But it, what it was sad for me was this grand fixture being played in that empty stadium. It wasn't, and the fact that... Uh, Messi went out limply with him carrying Barcelona vainly. What I loved and why it might not be the last time is because actually the battle between Messi and Buffon was amazing in this game because you could see Messi was trying to pull something out of the furnace. And, and if we're going to just ask you, John, you, you just mentioned Koeman. Uh, is he equipped to take this team forward? Because in the same breath, a lot of criticism of Messi because of how many times he lost the ball on the weekend. Is that him losing the ball because he's out of form or because the reliance on him is so heavy because of the way Koeman's got them set up, rightly or wrongly? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of the reliance on him, a little bit that um, he, he hasn't been in the same form he, as he has been in the, in the uh, last years, uh, well, the majority of his career. Let, let, let put it that way. You know, We, we all know that Messi can uh, carry a team if he has to, um, but it, it just seems at the moment... Kuman's still looking for uh, a, a combination, uh, a structure that will help Barcelona with the players they have. It doesn't look like he's found it just as yet. But how long will Kuman get? Because once a, a, a new board comes in place, if Kuman's still getting results like he is at the moment, he won't be, be there for much longer. I actually like his honesty. It's very Dutch. As we know, the Dutch are pretty straightforward with their shooting and they don't, they don't miss. Um, I like that because... At a big club like that, you probably need to be like that. And it needs to be an ex-Barcelona player sort of taking the reins at that club. And Koeman was. So let's give him a little bit more time. But it's the worst start they've had since the 80s. Mm. Mm. At least Andrea Perlo. I was happy for him today because that, that was a breakthrough moment for him. Um, but struggling a little bit in Syria, relatively speaking, to go and get that result at the Camp Nou. That, yeah. buy, that buys him time, surely. Yeah, that's big. Absolutely. Elsewhere in that group, Dynamo Kiev, they'll play in the Europa League. They beat Dave's boys, Ferenc Varos, who dominated all six matches in the group stage in a tough group, but just weren't able to get it done. Uh, but you know a man that could get it done this morning? Uh, Mark Schwarzer, I just want to play you a little clip from our Optusport Instagram story before we introduce oh, the yeah. great man. This is one of the best things about having fans back at a stadium here. Hot food, steak and chips, hot dogs. What's this lunchbox stuff that we get from Optus Board? You know, forget it. I'm going for a steak sandwich here and chips. And he did go for a steak sandwich, and the big smile on his face in the pregame show at Stanford Bridge was ear to ear. Mark Schwarzer, fans back at Stanford Bridge this week. You were there as well. You're a fanboy. Had your steak and chips. Probably had a hot dog as well. Did you have a nice time? Uh, yeah, I did enjoy myself. It was it was nice. It was nice again to be in a stadium with fans, in it, uh, albeit only two thousand of them albeit a game that really wasn't a lot to play for other than a couple of players, one making his debut, Salcino, uh, and Jorin, who I actually have to say, after the inside, uh, inside information I received on him, he did really struggle to, to make an impact. Um, I thought Billy Gilmore was pretty decent for him in midfield. Um, but overall, uh, Chelsea, you know what? The result was probably a fair result, even though Frank Lampard did go for it in the end by late substitutions. 
yeah, one all against Krasnodar after going 1-0 down, considering two goals in a week, which is pretty leaky for Chelsea. They've been very good defensively, haven't they, all season long then, Jorginho, from the penalty spot. What's the confidence like at Chelsea at the moment, Mark? We knew that they were always going to be top of the group going into this game, so nothing really riding on it. But after another win at the weekend, league form's good. Surely people behind the scenes at the club, the same place you're getting your inside information supposedly from, are pretty confident about winning some trophies. Uh, you know what, you know, Chelsea, whenever, you know, that was a big thing for when I first signed for the club. The minute you walk in through that door, the expectation is to win uh, and win everything you you uh, partake in. You know, there's an expectation on, on your shoulders. So, I mean, that's one thing you have to deal with right from the off. I mean, obviously we know with, with Frank being very new in the job, um, this season they spent a tremendous amount of money and, he, and, and they're really starting to gel together. I mean, the one player I think who's still is way below any any sort of form that we've seen him play in Germany is Kai Havertz. He's someone that is it's somewhat a bit of a, uh, I wouldn't say pro- I mean, a problem child in terms of on the football pitch. Definitely not off. I mean, he's got no issues whatsoever. But actual performances and living up to that price tag, um, he's yet to deliver. You know, Dave, I thought, you know, it's really interesting looking at the game at the weekend. Chelsea absolutely battered Leeds, realistically. They've got this amazing squad, but Havertz, as Mark is saying, Mm. hasn't hit the heights. Werner was awful, I thought, against Leeds, and he's been pretty wasteful all season long. It's almost like to get the best out of the current players, they've just brought in all these superstars, and it might be worth it for that alone because Kante, fantastic Mm. all of a sudden. Mason Mount is one of their best and most consistent performers. Yeah, defensively, Thiago Silva's been a good inclusion, but Kurt Zuma's been good as well. The players that are best for them were already there. It's a it's a really good point. It's it, actually, I think, um, credit to the way Frank Lampard's managed the dressing room. And I know we can only say that from outside in, but clearly to get that performance, something's right there. We, we ran some numbers last week on the player that each Premier League manager has played most in their careers, and Mason Mount is number one for Frank Lampard. And it's no surprise the way he's playing at the moment. But for me, the... the biggest change is is putting N'Golo Kante back to that number six role. I mean, I know that his his distribution was, you know, maybe not 100% against Leeds, but he was everywhere in that battle with Phillips. I thought he was sensational. And Tammy Abraham and Olivier Giroud are taking the goal-scoring burden as well. Um, I don't know if you agree with, with, with that, John, but um, I just think the, the incumbents have really stood their ground to the challenge of the, the high-profile recruits. Werner, who is taking 10 chances for each goal, though, when he puts them in, he's going to be a rock star. Yeah, look, well, you know that Werner can score goals and he will uh, start scoring goals. Uh, he, he already has, but he's missing a lot of opportunities. That, that one that he missed on the line, I, I don't know how he actually <laughs> he missed that one. It was incredible. But Giroud, um, he's showing that he still is very influential. Every time he plays, he scores goals. We spoke about him last season, that uh, when's Frank going to give him that opportunity? And he did, second half of the season. And um, and you can see that uh, they're playing with confidence. They're a happy group. They're a group that believes they can win something. And I think that's the big thing. That's why you're keeping them happy, because they all want to be part of a winning culture. And at the moment, I think they are. Schwartzy, what you've spoken a fair bit about Havertz from both the moment he signed through to now. Um do you th- are you surprised just how slow it has gone? And do you think actually that Chelsea, being in such good form now, Lampard can actually give him a couple of games like today to try find his feet without maybe as much scrutiny and pressure on him as might otherwise be if the side wasn't performing? 
you know, listen, I think it does go under under the, the, the sort of radar a little bit because the team are picking up results and, and, and performing well. Um, Kai Havertz obviously had the, uh, he was out injured uh, for a little bit. He's missed a few games. Um, you know, for, for me, Kai Havertz's best football was played when he was at Leverkusen after Julian Brunt left the club. And Kai Havertz was the main man. He was the focal point. Everything went through him. Um, beforehand, he, he was just in and out of games. You, you, you saw glimpses. You saw the odd game where he'd come out and he'd be unplayable, and, other, and then he would be almost missing for a, for a couple of games afterwards. At Chelsea, obviously, as you know, you know there's a lot, a lot of really good players there. Um, he's under constant pressure to deliver. Pulisic is, is you know, had he not been injured, I, I'd be sure that and certain that he'd be a starter every week, as with Zayic, you know. So Havertz has got a big challenge ahead of him, you know, not only the price tag, but he's got some very, very good teammates around him and he's going to have to perform, lift his performances to have a chance to be a regular in this Chelsea squad. Mark, I know you were only pretending to watch the Chelsea-Krasnodar game. You had your iPad in front of you, you are watching Leipzig, you are probably watching Dortmund as well. Bit of a spring in your step, the German club's doing so well? You know, you say that as if I'm a little bit surprised. <laughs> I'm not. You know, I, I said it before, and I, I thought that Leipzig would beat uh, beat uh, Manchester United. Um, you know, I, I know they're a very good side. They're, they're, they've adjusted well to life after Timo Werner. Yes, they did leak a few goals on the weekend against Bayern Munich, as they did tonight against Manchester United. Uh, mind you, it wasn't a penalty, and uh, I'm not so sure the second one should have been even a goal as well. So... Um, you know, listen, I, I think Leipzig are a good side and they deserve that. Manchester United, unfortunately, they threw it away. You know, they should have they should have set up the group sooner. They didn't. Um, they made a massive, massive mistakes. And uh, you guys talked about it on the show tonight. You know, there was a couple of key moments, particularly last one against uh, against PSG, where, where, you know, he kept Fred on the pitch uh, tonight, a game with a formation. You know, there's a lot, a lot of problems there at uh, Manchester United. And as, as typical, as always, the Paul Pogba show comes to comes to the fore again, and his old agent saying that he, you know, he has to leave. And Manchester United, for me, in my opinion, the sooner they get rid of him, the better. To be fair, Schwartzy, as an avid listener of Two Sharp Reds, uh, we could have just inserted your preview from yesterday into this podcast today because uh, you did hint that Leipzig would do oh, that don't to United tell him. if they don't, happen. Don't just give a him generous the plug for Two Sharp Reds. <laughs> We're in this together, right, Schwartzy? We're in the podcast business together. Just giving yeah. you a bit of a big up. Absolutely. The only thing I got wrong with that one is I did mention Uba Meccano uh, together with Canote, um, but obviously Uber Meccano was suspended. But still, you know, I, I still knew uh, that, that Leipzig had, were more than capable. Uh, and, and then I said before, Canate for me, is the better centre-half out of the two of them. And uh, I was always sure that they would score goals. And, and they're in good enough run of form and they've got some good enough players to, to win the game. And as they showed tonight, and they deserved it. I reckon maybe... Upa Meccano took a yellow on purpose to get him out of the shop window because so many clubs are looking at him. Uh, all right, Nostraldamus. Well, congratulations uh, on everything tonight. Leipzig winning, Chelsea getting a point again. Uh, Lampard's going to win the treble, if not the quadruple, and you're continuing to get your predictions right. So on that note, we'll let you go. We'll see you tomorrow morning. Yeah, thank you very much, guys. You know, I did say that uh, Chelsea were going to beat Leeds 4-1, so I did get that one slightly wrong, but yeah, it was close enough. Well, you know what? It should have been 6-7-1, and, and I'm, I'm quite happy to admit it. Dave actually texted me when uh, Bamford scored, and by the way, in the VAR era, I said this to John this morning, I don't celebrate any goal anymore. This is going to sound like a cop-out. I miss the championship when you don't have to think about VAR. But I didn't celebrate. I said to Dave, you'll still win this 4-1, and you probably should have. But anyway, well done. Congratulations, Mark. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks, mate.
<laughs> Absolutely enjoying his life at the moment, Mark Schwartzer. With fans back at Stanford Bridge, it did just give that little bit of life around the stadium as well, which is really nice to see, and hopefully there'll be more of it. Now, the Paul Ocon derby, John, that was a big one this morning. Arguably the most dramatic game happened in the early hours. Lazio at home to Bruges. They needed just a point, the Italian side. They got it. It was two all, but Bruges hit the crossbar in the last minute. I know. How unlucky are they? Yeah, look, they perform well in this group. It was a tough group. It was it was very even right the way through. Uh, you know, you you thought that Dortmund would finish top of the group, but they, they struggled to, to, to finish top. It was uh, a few big results. Uh, but Club Bruges, how unlucky, hitting the crossbar and it bounces down. You think that a, a few inches uh, lower and it, it, they're going through and, and Lazio would have been out. I'm happy for Lazio, though. You know, Lazio is such a, a big club that we grew up watching. You know, I, I remember them with Mihailovic and uh, Pepe Signori all those years ago. And now they've got a replacement in Pepe Signori. They've got Chiro Immobile that yeah. keeps on scoring, can't stop scoring. Won the penalty, scored it again this morning. Is it 10 goals now in the last nine games that he's That's played? That's it, yeah. yeah. Incredible. Yeah. It, it, it's great. And, uh, you know, I love seeing strikers score goals and he's one of them that uh, keeps on getting better with age. Do you know what's really cool about this, Rich? Um, and the Club Bruges were actually really gutsy through the hole. And, and, and they'll, they'll be decent value in the Europa League. But the point that Lazio got in Belgium, where they were ravaged with illness and injury, and I think it was Carrera, the, the, the player who scored the opening goal today, he got it really late. They didn't lose in the group stage. So they actually, I think they really do deserve to go through because they got through a really tough period, managed it. The only weird thing today was every time they played really good football and looked in control, they, they licked a goal. Um, and they were just probably very grateful to hang on at the end. But it was a great game, a great fire starter at five in the morning because the drama across both grooms and the equation um, was what pretty much the Champions League has been about really the last couple of years. Exactly. Dortmund through as well. They already were, but they got a 2-1 win, win, win away at Zenit. And Makuku coming on at 16, the youngest ever player to appear in the Champions League. Erling Braut Haaland, who's out injured at the moment, reckons that this kid is better than he was at his age. As if Erling Braut Haaland, some 40-year-old, saying, <laughs> oh, well, you know, I wasn't that good. I wasn't that good four years ago. <laughs> four years ago, yeah. It's outrageous. The uh, production line that Dortmund have, we might see a few more of them in the knockout stages. We turn our attention, though, to tomorrow morning. Ajax and Atalanta and I were playing off for a second spot to Liverpool, but all the attention really is on Group B. Real Madrid at home to Gladback, while Inter Milan are at home at the San Siro to Shakhtar Donetsk. It's way too confusing, but all four can go through, John. This group arguably has been more dramatic than Group H. It should be a cracker. It's going to be a cracker. That Real Madrid, you know, when you write them off, and you're right, Zidane off. He seems to get results. He's a little bit like Solskjaer in that sense that, you know, there's always knives out for him because they say that, you know, he, he's not a great tactician. He's won three Champions League titles. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the guy knows what he's doing. He's uh, one of the most successful coaches in our in modern era. Modern history, yeah. And um, and they still write him off. And he, he got a good result on the weekend against Sevilla. They performed well. Um, are they going to beat uh, Gladbach? I think they will. And I just think because of the plays that they've got in their side, in big games, they stand up. So Gladbach are on eight points, Shakhtar and Real Madrid on seven, then Inter on five. So let's say that Real Madrid do win. Mm -hmm. They go through, obviously. If Inter beat Shakhtar, 
they'll also go through. A group that looked like it was going to be the underdogs going through, surely it can't end with the big what, dogs. What day. we were all fussing about for the last five match days is Inter Madrid go through. I think on the weekend, Sevilla was a good warm-up for them, wasn't it? Because it felt like they had a big match feel to it, like really solid. It was like a final yeah. for them. It was, and Zidane said so before the game because you know they lost two on the trot, which is a major crisis for a team like Real Madrid. Um, but I think the big one was losing to Alaves and losing to Shakhtar in the same week uh, where they were expected to win both. And then you, you come against Sevilla, who are a, a, they're a tough team to play against in Seville. And uh, they come away with that 1-0 win. Casemiro makes a big difference when yeah. he comes back into the side. Um, so he, they missed him for a little bit. He was back in on the weekend. Uh, and I think that against Muchen Gladbach, they need him to be in good form. And, and you think that Benzema in these games, you can count on him to actually step up and score a goal. And they reckon Ramos is back too, which is huge. I think I think the mentality of it will prevail because Muchen Gladbach had a couple of times where they will, they will be kicking themselves about late points dropped, which makes me think, you know, Madrid can come and force the issue. The joke in the back is Shakhtar because against Muchen Gladbach, they were hopeless. And against Real Madrid, they were unbelievable. And against Inter, they copped about 15 chances and still got away with the nil all. So anything could happen tomorrow. I'm no Nostradamus, <laughs> but I think Real Madrid and Inter will go through. Yeah, I, I do too. Yeah, I mean, I you, you know Nostradamus, not because of your poor predictions, but because you're not as well endowed in the nose <laughs> department as Mark Schwarzer or Michael Bridges. But you'll get there, John. Don't worry about that. I'm sure you've got other qualities. Uh, five spots available tomorrow if you cl- count PSGs. I mean, 75 minutes to come from the Parc de France. Elsewhere, Salzburg at home to Atletico. There's a spot there. If Salzburg win, they'll be through, and they're at home. That's a fascinating one. So too, of course, Ajax at home to Atalanta. Today was an interesting day. Let's not call it dramatic let's call it interesting it was a big day but tomorrow you sense john's going to be even bigger yeah i'm looking forward to that rb leipzig not rb leipzig rb um salzburg. salzburg yeah i'm looking forward to that one because they've performed really well they're, they're an exciting team to watch them. and against Bayern munich yes they did end up losing 6-2 but they took the game to Bayern munich and it opened up only in the last 10 10 minutes or so and Bayern munich just punished them atletico madrid being very good in la liga not so good in Champions League. If they go out, big disappointment for them. Indeed. Should be great to watch. And if you can't watch it, tune into our Facebook or YouTube channel. Or if you're watching a game, have our Facebook or YouTube up at the same time because we've got goal alerts. So you get an alert and a notification every time a goal is scored across the continent. And we show it to you mere seconds after it's gone in. So it means that you won't miss anything across the Champions League match day. A dramatic finish on match day six after what was... A sad at times, but also heartening to a degree day Hopefully today. seminal. Hopefully seminal. Hopefully something that football can build on for society in the future. Indeed. To catch up on the latest, make sure you're across up the sports social channels. Uh, John, we'll see you again tomorrow. Can't wait. Yeah, human interaction two days in a row for John Aloisi <laughs> and Dave. Uh, you'll be back as always. We'll see you then. Can't wait. All right, guys. Hope you enjoyed the Gagan Pod match day edition of the podcast. We'll see you again tomorrow. Between now and then, enjoy your football. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. 
Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.